It's always cute when you use your fingers to count. <laughs> what are you counting? Nothing. You're lying. What are you counting? I'm telling you and you tease me. Of course I'm going to tease you. I'm going to tease you regardless. By the way, this is uh, Don't Listen to Us. I'm Sean. No, <laughs> it has not started. Yes. It has not. Why not? <laughs> Come on, press record or whatever. I already press. pressed record. Oh, my God. Would well, you your hello, everyone? <laughs> I just did. Hello. This is Don't Listen to Us. I'm Sean. I'm Melissa. What are you counting? I was counting my fingers. I know. <laughs> so it is that I don't know why it's when my wife counts her fingers, I don't think of it as a what a moron. I think that is so cute. Because you get this little, little thoughtful look in your eyes. You, fingers are great things. Why not? You know, we revert back to these things yeah, we as, do. We, as we. Age and because sometimes it's easier. It's just easy. I just you know I'm uh, helps keep track. My brain capacity doesn't seem to be what it, what it was. Well, for me, it's for things like um, I know I see myself doing it all the time, every time when I have to count months. So how far away is March from today? Okay, I go. Uh, what month is it? June, uh, and then I'll use my fingers. Absolutely, uh, July, August, September, because that keeps track of. How many? I have no problem with that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just tease you because it's fun to tease you, but it's also because you're so damn cute when you <laughs> I do it. I was counting my fingers because I'm looking at the tide tables, okay. looking at when high tide is. Mm. And as you know, they put it in the 24-hour Yes, clock, military clock. The military clock. Actually, it's not even a military clock. It's a European or clock. European clock. Or, and so it just you just got to think about it a bit more. I remember going to uh, my first trip to Paris to go see the Apple Expo. And landing in Charles de Gaulle Airport and <clears throat> looking up at the clocks and going, shit, I don't know what time it is. Because <laughs> oh. I was in the airport and you're just you're just confused in general. So I couldn't tell whether it was daytime or nighttime. And, you know, the clock, the clock had two, two they had the 12-hour 12, 12 numbers and they had the other numbers on the inside of it too. Oh. And so, or they all they'll have digital clocks. Mm-hmm. And it, it would have said something like, it's 1427. I'm like... Fuck. I, I don't know when that is. No, not when you're travel weary and you're suddenly exactly. confronted. I have to do math? Like, oh my God, I just want to know what time it is. But yes. then when you think about it, it sounds so silly when just subtract from 12, dude. It's you know? Easy. <laughs> I know. Subtract 12 from the number. It's well, not what that time hard. was, what, say the time again? Say it's 1427. Yeah, well, if it's 1427, it's 227. Yeah. Right. And if it's 14, that means it's PM. Yes, that's right. Right. It's, it's, it's Initially, it seems hard, but in fact, it's actually quite easy. But it's actually quite easy. Yeah. But it's it's when it says on the tide tables, high tide is twenty two fifty six. What time is it now? Twenty two fifty six. Yeah, it's not as easy or fast as fast as you know. No, it would be. <laughs> I, I I said a naughty word there a moment ago. We got a. Review on iTunes, and by the way, we love reviews, positive or negative. I've always liked hearing from people commentary, whether it's about your Mac Life or any podcast I've ever done. It's how people, who, how every podcaster, how every broadcaster, how every writer of things or talker of things gets affirmation that there's someone out there listening to what they're saying and caring enough to comment upon it. Yes. Right. You you don't I don't generally you generally don't comment on things that you utterly hate. You just go and move on. If yes. you're a mature adult, yes, a lot of if, people do comment if, on if, things they hate. If you're a troll, then that's a whole different thing. But yes. generally, the the people that we like, uh, if they comment, it means they they care. Yes. 
Whether uh-huh. they disagree or agree with you, they care about it. So mm-hmm. we, we got a, a very nice comment. Uh, 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 review on the web. And by the way, the review is a four-star review out of five. So oh. that's good. Yes. But the reviewer says, love the show, but not the language. Have listened to Sean's other podcast for years, and after this one started up, I subscribed right away because I was happy for Sean's happiness in finding Melissa. Mm, Isn't that lovely. nice? Mm. Excuse me. <laughs> you can't do that in the middle of the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've had colds in our house, everyone. We've been very sick, so just trying to get out, find our way here. <laughs> it's okay. Keep going with wait, the review. Wait, wait, so- wait, wait, wait. We have colds in our house. We have so colds. So you took a piece of tissue <coughs> and rather than blowing your nose with it, you stuck it in your ear. How is that do with the cold? My ear was itchy. Why are you using toilet paper? Just use your finger like a normal person. Because I'm doing the show. Oh, no, I don't want to use my finger. No, no. Wait, you don't use your finger? To- no, in bed I do. I don't want to reach for <laughs> tissue. But sometimes you just think, something making my ear itchy. And there's so much pollen. And, and you use the tissue to do that. Sometimes I've never seen. I'll go and do a Q-tippy thing too. Well, I like the Q-tips. Awful. You're not supposed to use Q-tips. Oh, they're fine. No, you're I mean, not. Always they're dangerous. Using Q-tips. Anyway. So they were worried about the language. I have to say, listen to episode thirteen. I was about ready to unsubscribe due to the number Dear. of times the F word was used. I know it's their podcast. If you don't like it, leave. I just don't think it's necessary. Not language I would use in front of my wife or any lady. I don't mind it once in a while, but in every other sentence is tiresome. I rate it four stars because I like Sean and love that he has found a lifelong partner in Melissa after a tough slog in life. They get on the mics and talk about their own relationship and lives for everyone to hear, not something everyone would do. If the language is cleaned up, I will edit this review and give it five stars. If not, I will continue listening to Your Mac Life to listen to Jim and his excellent photography instructions and unsubscribe from this podcast. You are a new podcaster. What is your opinion on the commentary there? And I'm, by the way, I'm oh. I'm clicking. Uh, was this review helpful? I'm clicking yes. Oh yes, no, I agree. <clears throat> no, I think it's a very heartfelt, honest review. I um, I I think it's very authentic, and I I actually thought about it. I mean, it's it's thought provoking, and I'm re- very very grateful for the honesty of it. One of the dangers that podcasters, especially beginning podcasters, have is a blowing in the wind, being being a, a feather in a hurricane. And every single comment that someone makes, you change to suit that one person. I did it when I was first starting off. Somebody would say, I don't like when you do this. So I was like, okay, I, I won't do that then. But then someone would come back and say, I like when you did that. Okay, what, what do I do? And you get caught up flashing Just back be and forth. you Just, maybe? Exactly. So I learned a long time ago that I'm going to be who I am. I love Constructive criticism, always have, and I will take it and try to learn from it and see where it comes from and see if it's A, honest, and B, applicable. Yes. And in this case, it's both. both. It's honest and applicable. Yes. The problem is, what do you do about it? Now, he mentioned your Mac life, and those folks who may or may not know, i got to assume you do. Now, I, I've done for 25 years a podcast called Your Mac Life <clears throat> about Apple and about Macintosh and iPhones and that kind of stuff. And we will occasionally curse there, not very often, because I'm cognizant that we do have a younger audience group, even though the show is restricted um, on the iTunes. Um, so I, I, I try to avoid using any kind of curse words on that show unless it's really, really bugging me. <clears throat> on this show, 
We're more conversational, although you and I don't generally curse in our public life. I was you know, just going to say, in our private other. life, we don't swear. Unless we're really, unless we're really yeah. feeling strongly and it just that word comes out because it just feels good to say it sometimes about something. So I think in this case, because the reviewer said that it was episode 13, our last one, by the way, this is episode 14, 12, it doesn't matter, um, that they've listened to the previous ones. And it was only that last one that maybe set off their F-bomb alert. Mm. Maybe. I'm, 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 I'm assuming here. Because mm. they didn't say anything about episode six. Mm. You know, or episode well, it was 11. probably building. Probably building. So I'm going to make a promise to this person that I'm going to be more aware of. Mm. I'm not going to promise not to swear. Mm-mm. Because A, that wouldn't be genuine or honest of me. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to make sure that if I do swear, it's for a good reason. Yes, you're going to be conscious of it. Now, let's talk about his statement. He said, not language I would use in front of my wife or any lady. Isn't that sexist? Mm -hmm. Because he's saying there, it's language he would use in front of men. My impression of this gentleman is that he wouldn't even do that either. Possibly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Possibly. Um, I don't. I. I, I just. I, the, the the singling out of a gender there. Yes, but it, I don't. It didn't go, bother me, but it's like, ah, oh, wait a second, that's a little sexist. I'm sorry, I don't go that don't far so? in this whole notion okay. of sexism. I think that that's very respectful, and I don't. I'm not going to think, oh, you know, that's sexist. I'm a woman, and and if I get sworn in front of, it's totally fine. The same as it's, it was with a man. I don't. I think that's being a gentleman. Okay. Fair enough. Again, thanks very much for the review. Anyone else who wants to post reviews, please, we appreciate it. Emails to DLTU at YML.me or post reviews up on the iTunes store. And I hope that he keeps listening. Absolutely. Absolutely keep listening. Yes. Um, you know who Warren Buffett is? Oh, you, uh, some rich dude. <laughs> Some <laughs> filthy, disgusting, Some rich disgustingly dude. rich dude. Warren Buffett is the uh, chairman, CEO, grand poobah of a company called Brookshire Hathaway. Brookshire. Warren, Bu- Warren Buffett is, uh, he's often just called as the Wizard of Omaha. He has, uh, I think he's either the second or third richest guy in the planet, on the planet. He's had a very good life. He's, he's, very, he's a very, very, very smart man. He's invested Ethically, he's invested well. Um, I'm not just saying that because he owns a huge chunk of Apple. Uh, he is uh, very, very well respected um, from all views, very, very intelligent. Um, and doesn't get caught up in trends, doesn't, doesn't chase fads. He is a very solid investor. Hmm. I think someone said that if you had invested with the same things that Berkshire Hathaway invested in, the same things that Warren Buffett has invested in over the years, you'd also be a millionaire. If you hmm. just did exactly what he did. You'd become a millionaire mm-hmm. just because he's that good. Anyway, he said on Twitter, I thought this was really interesting. He said, don't ever be afraid to turn the page and start a new chapter of your life. There's so much in this world to be experienced. So many amazing people that you can meet and a lot of opportunities waiting for you if you step outside of your comfort zone. Don't be too scared to take chances. What do you think of that? Well, I don't know what his beginnings were. Was he a man that came from nothing and no, he followed no, along those that philosophy? Not, I, I don't. I don't know if he's full of philosophy, but he he was he was middle class when he started off in the you know forties and thirties mm. in, in Omaha. He wasn't. Let's let put it this way: he wasn't Donald Trump, whose dad gave him a small loan of a million dollars. A million dollars. He he pretty much made his own business. Well, I mean, with I th- the right connections. I think they're worthy words to think about. I don't think it's for anybody that. 
is poor or living in poverty, I think that is very. Uh, you can't look at life that way. Yeah. I'm. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. Hmm, that's a tricky one. I wouldn't want anybody that was living in poverty to negate the potential of, you know, turning a corner yeah. or. But um, it's not even living in poverty. I mean, there's a lot of middle class people who can't do this stuff. That they are trapped in a job, in a life, in a home. <laughs> That they can't get out of because they're middle class. Yeah. The, the 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 conceit, and I, I'm not saying this in the conceited way. The conceit of Buffett's position is that if you have the money, the, what he's talking about is easy to do. If you've either got a nest egg or a family fortune or whatever it might be, it's easy to go. You know what? F this job. I'm going to go and be a sculptor in Milan. You know, if that's my path, that I've seen, heard people say, do what you love. Money will come afterwards. Bullshit. Mm. For the vast majority of people, that is not true. You'll do what you love and you'll end up poor and dead on the street. <clears throat> He's right in the sense that there's so many people that you can meet and lots of amazing opportunities if you step outside your comfort zone. Yes. yes. That's true. It's but true. He's talking about there's so much of this world to be experienced. You can't experience the world without money. If you're in Omaha, you can experience your neighborhood, you can experience your, your city, you can you know, walk around your town and meet these opportunities that are waiting for you outside your comfort zone. But you're not going to experience, if you're a, a poor person in Omaha or New York or whatever, you're never going to Rome. You're never going to experience Italian culture. You're never going to go to Mexico and see the ruins. You're never going to go and see manta rays in Indonesia. You're never going to have those experiences. People like Warren Buffett, who are rich and who can afford anything they can imagine, think that's true of other people too. That all you have to do is dream it and it will come true. Well, that's because you've got $100 billion in the bank and anything you dream can come true. But I I also see that there are different levels of what he's talking about. And you have to – I mean, I was – I was uh, – my family was blue-collar, working-class family. And I was a shy young girl that uh, barely went out of her comfort zone at all, no. ever – Stayed very close to home, very close to my family, and and I just decided that I was going to travel. And I worked 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 three different jobs, and I saved my money and I was given money little in in little bits and pieces from my family yep. and friends, and and I did it. And I bought a round the world ticket and I did it. And I left and I was all alone and I was freaking out and I was afraid. I was so afraid, but I did it. I went through the fear. So I think what he's trying to say, even though he's got lots of money and, you know, forget about that piece of it. He's saying, go out of your comfort zone. I absolutely agree with the idea, <clears throat> if, we can, if we can distill what he's saying, into experience life. Yes. Get out there and experience life. Yes. Go see however much of life, experience however much of life you can. If yes. you're poor in your neighborhood, go walk in the rich neighborhood. Just walk yeah. around. Go to that park that you've never been to before. Yeah. Watch kids play frisbee. Go to that beach that you've never been to. If you're lower middle class, save up some money and go to a trip to the next town yeah. or the next state. That's Experience right. it. All the people in my life who I have liked as human beings, the one thing they all have in common is travel. 
everyone that I can pinpoint and say, I, li- I really like that person. Mm. I can't, there, there's no commonality between genders. There's no commonality between um, uh, eth- ethnicities, religions, um, uh, country of origin. The only thing they all have in common is they've all traveled. They've all traveled either within their country, usually the U.S., or they've traveled to Europe or Africa or e- Asia, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> don't think that travel has to be expensive. You can have a week-long vacation in a European city, airfare, food, and hotel for a thousand bucks for a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be lavish, but it doesn't have to be. Well, you can go to a youth hostel. You go to that's, that's what I'm thinking. I did you, it. Youth, you know what? You go to youth hostel. I went to youth hostels. You 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 go to youth hostel in Paris. You wait for seat sale in Paris. You go to a youth hostel. You um, eat eat not street food off the street, but there's there's markets there. You can buy. You can cook at the hostel. Baguettes. You can get Mm -hmm. cheese. You you know, you're not living like Warren Buffett, but you will experience life that way. Yes. So don't let that stop you. And even for a thousand bucks, if you live in Omaha, for example, you can get New York City on a thousand bucks, right? And go experience New York or L.A. or Chicago or or, Canada or Canada. You know, Montreal, Vancouver. yeah. Yeah. So. But there's so it's it's such a shame that I think a lot of the problems that we have in this world today are due to people not understanding other people. And travel helps you understand other people. Yes, it helps you. It helps you experience what what they experience. It helps you experience their lives. They, even if you just do the tourist stuff for whatever reason, getting out there and seeing people who think different and look different and act different than you do mm-hmm. will make you a better person. Yes. I guarantee you it will make you a better person. Parents, encourage your kids to travel. If you've got kids at home now, start saving money up for when those kids are self-sufficient and you can go on that trip you always wanted to go to to Paris. My mom never left Canada. Mm-hmm. And I know it hurt her immensely because my mom was very, very intelligent and very curious and adventurous Yet she never had enough money in her life to ever travel outside of Canada. I think she went to the States a couple, it went Vegas, that's right. I think the only place my mom ever went to in, in uh, the U.S. Was, was Vegas. But I know she would have loved to have gone to Rome and Paris and all the, you know, the mm-hmm. usual places. Mm-hmm. But she never got the chance. So don't, don't, don't make that your biggest regret in life that you didn't, uh, didn't go somewhere. Yeah, so I don't want to think that he's coming at it from a conceited angle because then it takes away from the message. Of, of what That's he's fair. saying. That's know. fair. Noelle Stevenson on Twitter. The stuff that was important to you when you were 14 will be important forever. <laughs> what a load of crap. Well, I hope not. No kidding. <laughs> no, we were, we were talking this last oh my night. Gosh. We were talking this last night. We were thinking, I hope what I thought was important at 14 is no longer important oh, to me. Oh, yeah. Because if it is, it means you haven't matured. Well, and I You've ref- grown as a human being. I mean, I can reflect back on it and go, I can see why I was in angst about that and that. But oh my gosh, that was you still know, important. You you can say that the stuff that was important to you at 14, you still kind of like now in a nostalgic kind of way. Mm-hmm. But if it's still important to you now. And I wonder what she means by that. Uh, well, important. She, I, mean, I mean, family. My family is important. Was important then, and just as important sure. now. Sure. Yeah, that's that's fair. But I don't think. I think that from the responses that I saw in the um, on Twitter about it, um, the responses were people, people were saying, "Oh yeah, I really, I really like Buffy the Vampire Slayer." Then I really like it now. Oh no! Fuck off! Oh no! No no. <laughs> um. 
So I was, one of the things we were talking about, uh, and this is something I've said before to, to, to people, the, um, there have been studies that have shown that the, the music you like up until the age of 30 is a music, you, you will not discover new music after the age of 30 for the, for the most part. Most people listen to whatever music at the age of 30, whatever they used to listen to is what they, they don't learn they don't experience new music. And I find for myself that's very true. Mm. If only because I tend not to listen to new music because it's hard to find. Mm-hmm. I tend to listen to the same albums and the same bands I already know I like. Mm. That's that's on, I don't have Spotify. You have Spotify. I don't. Apple Music, I, I, I didn't. I had it for the three months trial and wasn't interested mm. in, in much of what they had. Because, you know, the, the music the kids listen to nowadays, I feel so shitty thinking that. But it's the same thing our parents thought and their parents thought, you know, all the way through probably to Mozart, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. What's that plinky, plinky noise he's making? You know? mm-hmm. So music was one of the things I was thinking about. And I got to thinking, when I was 14, what were the number one selling music? And it turns out, when I was 14, music sucked. Yeah, it was very bad. It was in the, it was in the middle of disco. Yeah, oh. So my, the music, I even if I liked it at 14, I recognize now, yeah. it sucks. Mm, yeah. The number one song. When you were 14. On January 3rd was by, and I'll name this song, I'll name this band, and you'll know the song, because they only ever had one good song. And they wouldn't even say it was good. One hit one. Although I will admit, I danced my ass off to this. You danced? Basically Rollers. Oh, the Bay City Rollers were huge. <laughs> it was tartan madness. Saturday night. Yeah. C.W. McCall. You don't recognize the name, do you? No. Convoy. Oh, I know those it's songs. Awful song. Oh, awful it's a song. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. I write ah, the songs. No, keep going. Ah! <laughs> uh, Ohio Players Love Roller Coaster. Love Machine by the Miracles. The Four Seasons, December, or oh, What a Night, Johnny Taylor, Disco oh, Lady. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Late December, <laughs> back in 63. <laughs> what a very special. <laughs> oh. Wings, Silly Love Song. Oh, I hated that song at 14. Yes. Hey, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Starland Vocal Band. Starland Vocal Band. Afternoon Delight. Oh, oh. Isn't that awful? Oh, I hated it then and I hate it now. Afternoon Delight. Oh, don't go breaking my heart, Elton John. Oh, no. The only good one of this list. Oh, another one. If You Leave Me Now, Chicago. Oh, I remember that. Tonight's the Night, Rod Stewart. Yep. The only one on this list that's of any good for me is play that funky music, Wild Cherry. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was good. Otherwise, that year sucked. (laughs) It was an awful, awful year. Now you said, "What about 1980?" Because you said you were 16. Well, no, I would I would have been. Were you 14 then? No, no, no. 1980. You were 16. Okay. Number one song on January 5th, 1980. Hmm. Please don't go, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Shoot me oh, in the no, head. In the Sunshine Band. No, no. So the music of our teen years yeah. sucked. So corny. <laughs> Say more. Which one? Do that to me one more time, Captain. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> now, this one's good. Crazy little thing called Love Queen. I know, great song. I know, that's a good song. Call I Me still... Blondie. Great song. I loved Blondie. I always listened to Blondie. Uh, I loved Deborah Harry. I always wanted her lips. Christopher Cross, Sailing. 
I did go through a little Christopher Cross moment. Yeah. Yep. Um, Olivia Newton-John, magic. I'm well, sure she's, that was, she's, yeah, an, she's Aussie. an Aussie. We all, yeah. She's like our queen. We love Kenny, Olivia. Kenny Rogers, lady. <laughs> do that. Just, just shitty-ass music. Yeah, no. So, yeah, in, in, in regards to music, whatever was important to me at 14 is not important to me now. No, no. <laughs> but see, I grew up with a big brother that, see, my, my big brother is a collector of music because okay. our mother was quite a brilliant musician. So we always had music in our house and music, music. And, and my brother would, would, he and I would hang out when we were late in our teens and he'd move down. He'd say, Melissa, come over and I want you to listen to some new music. So he was he was a huge influence in my life on my choices of music. And he now even keeps a little book and he writes down all the music that he loves and hears. So I always listen to a huge mix of music. Oh good. So my music isn't stuck in from when I was thirty. Yeah. No. I'm quite open. I love exploring music. My music is definitely stuck, but a lot of my I didn't hear popular late 60s, early 70s, most of the 70s music. And in other words, when I was at home growing up, I hadn't heard, I didn't hear the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, um, uh, Rolling Stones, all those bands <coughs> until I was in college. Oh. We didn't listen to that stuff because when I was a kid, we're, we're a black family. I listened to Lou Rawls and you know soul R&B singers and soul singers and old blues guys, Robert Johnson and Buddy what Guy and BB King and mm-hmm. Howlin' Wolf and those kind. Of, that's the kind of music I listened to when I was a kid. Right. I listened to whatever was on the radio, but for the most part, my mom played that music, and that's the music I grew up on. Oh, she loved big band music. She loved the crooners, Dean Martin and, and yep. Frank Sinatra and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I grew that's up on from that her music era. Too. Yes. Um. So I, I, that's the kind of stuff I listened to. We talk about well, that's music. still good stuff. Oh, it absolutely is. I don't like big band music, but I do like all the blues. And, yeah. yeah. You're not on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, this happens <laughs> on a regular basis on Twitter, and it just drives me mental. So backstory. Kids across the country are getting busted for operating lemonade stands without a permit. There are <sighs> assholes out there who are literally calling the police on kids in the side of the road selling lemonade. Because in a lot of places, you need a permit to sell street food, basically. Oh, my goodness. Okay? First of all, we should be able to kneecap whoever does that. All right? What kind of monster does this? I'm driving around on my motorcycle in the summertime, and if I see a kid with a lemonade stand- Oh, totally. I will pull over, Mm -hmm. take off all my motorcycle gear, give that kid the money I've got in my pocket and have his shitty ass little lemonade. I hate lemonade. <laughs> I really do. I don't like to taste lemonade at all. I'll ask him if they have water, but I'll have water in a bike and I'll take his lemonade and go back to the bike and chug water because uh-huh. I hate the taste of lemonade. But that's just such a cute, cool little oh, thing I to do. I thought it was a very North American cultural thing to do I for kids it, to do that. Interesting. So you didn't do it in Australia? No. Really? It's too hot to sit out there and sell lemonade. I, I thought it was a kid thing in general. I think it's very North American. I don't know huh. about Europe, but lemonade stands is a very something that, as an Australian kid, you would watch on a movie and see kids do and go, oh, this kid's, you know, it wasn't something that we did. So, so okay, then why wouldn't you do that? Why didn't you think you said, oh, let's try that? No, we just didn't. We didn't do no. it. Huh. No, no, I will. I will literally before I go in the summertime and, and when, when I know the kids are at school, I'll put a couple of loonies, toonies in my pocket just so if I see a kid. I'll, I'll pull over and, and, and oh yeah, uh, 
Yeah, you'll see it here in our little town. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Anyway, so assholes are calling the police on these children. Oh, my God. And surely the police go, oh, I'm sorry, but we're not going to address this. Everything else depends on on how um, the police have to uphold the law. The police can't make judgments. (sighs) If the law says you must have a permit to sell food, then the police... Legally. So you tell me what a young little child is going to think if a big old policeman comes. Do you think that child is going to develop a love of police officers if they come up and go, you know what, you got to dismantle this. Do you have a license? I think, I don't know the situation in every case, but I think what the police probably are going to do is go to the house. Hey, kids, I'll be right out to get some lemonade. Go to the house, talk to mom and dad. Well, that's and a say, cop out. No, your asshole neighbor. Neighbor. Well, no, because the police legally aren't allowed to talk to the kids with, with no the parents. Yeah. Go to mom and dad and say, "Hey, you assholes for neighbors, and they've called me on your child. Just, just not make this a, a thing. Just have your kids bring it in, right? And then go egg the neighbor's house because your neighbors are assholes. Anyway, <clears throat> Country Time, the Lemonade people, have posted this tweet. The tweet said, kids across the country are getting busted for operating lemonade stands without a permit. We're taking the lead to hashtag save lemonade stands by paying for kids fines and permits this year. For every retweet this gets, we'll donate $1 up to half a million dollars to help kids next year and beyond. Oh, I love it. I hate it. Why? I hate it. Why? Because Country Time Lemonade is A, using Twitter, A, using their their power of their followers to use marketing to help these kids. They're not helping these kids out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it in order to get people to see the word, to see the ads for Country Time, to get me to say Country Time, to get you to go, they're nice people, I'll buy some Country Time lemonade. Screw you guys. Mm. What the tweet should have said is, kids across the country are getting busted for operating lemonade sales without a permit. We're taking the lead... To hashtag save lemonade stands by paying for kids' fines and permits this year, we've put half a million dollars into a kitty. End of tweet. Oh, you mean it's hashtag the lemonade people? Yes. Oh, you don't, but you wouldn't have to include their their hashtag. No, would no, you? no. What I'm saying is the lemonade people are saying if you retweet this, in other oh. words, if you tell your followers how nice we are, oh, then we'll people donate go a buy buck. our lemonade. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true. That's what they're doing. They're taking a yucky situation and they're taking advantage. They're of taking it. advantage of your wonderful feeling that you just had. Mm-hmm. If you were on Twitter and you saw this and it said retweet and we'll donate a buck, you would have gone, "Oh, retweet!" in a heartbeat. And then all your followers would have seen this ad from Country Time. Hey, oh. Country Time Lemonade. Here's the. We're nice people, and this only costs us a buck to do. Oh. No, See, don- I don't buy Country Time Lemonade, donate, and I never will. So donate the half million dollars up front. First. All right. And then if you want to put out a press release saying, hey, we want to help kids pay these permits, then then do that. I see. But using this this viral marketing stuff just pisses me off. Right. Hey, we're nice people. Tell your friends how nice we are. F you. Mm. So what did you say to them? I said pretty much exactly pretty that. Pretty much that. F you. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I can't help F myself. you, country time lemonade. But I, I, see people, I see companies do that all the time. Oh. Retweet this and we'll donate a dollar. No, just donate the dollar. Mm. Don't need to tell me. You don't need my help to donate the dollar. Donate the dollar. Mm. I guarantee you'll get just as much promotion out of it 
People yes. will say, hey, look, My Favorite Lemonade just donated half a million dollars to help kids. Right. It's them begging for the retweets. I on see. The con- and, and, and giving the money on the condition of. There shouldn't be conditions to donating money. No, you're very true. That, that's true. That'd be the same you're thing right. as saying, we're going to give half a million dollars to the, to the Red Cross Society if they come to my house. You know? Mm, mm, that's mm. No, you don't do that. You donate money for the sake of donating the money, not for the publicity. Oh, I saw this on uh, Twitter, too, from uh, Mental Floss, uh, uh, an account I follow. This struck me as very odd. According to a study, less than half the world's cultures kiss romantically. I would have assumed that everyone did. Well, what, do they do rub noses? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. What does it say? I, I don't know. Oh, that's it? That's, that's, that's the tweet. No, they only have a li- limited number of characters. Um, but isn't that an odd thing to think about? Pretty small amount of characters for such an uh, intriguing thing to say. Yeah, it's a very, very odd thing to think about, that less than half the cultures kiss romantically. Because hmm. to me, that seems like an automatic thing to do as a human being, not as a culture, as a human being. I think some cultures <clears throat> might touch foreheads. Romantically? Yes. Okay. Rub noses. I, I, Inuit never did that, did they? I think that there might be some cultures always, that always, rub noses. It was always a stereotype of Inuit because it was too cold to kiss. That's what we, we heard when we were kids. Oh, I didn't hear, nope. didn't hear that. Silly. Hmm. <sighs> I'm trying to figure out whether I want to work up to this rant or not. Oh, did we get into the emails? Hang on a second. Um, oh, I want to say thanks to uh, uh, Michael Polinsky in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He just reminded me that I had misnamed the uh, podcast. Uh, or, no, that we had missed episode 12 but because we were sick. Yes. Which, speaking of, you biatch. We <laughs> well, said in last week's nice, we said last week show that we didn't do the show the week before because you weren't feeling well. And I said, don't you get me sick. And what did you do? You got me sick. Yeah, <laughs> we have both been laid up, and it just—it's just awful. No, I've been going to work. I've been going to work while I've been sick. You have I've been, been very sick. Yeah, I've been have. going to work. I worked in the yard like crazy. and felt like I was almost going to pass out there for a bit. One of the days, chainsawing, and well, a little bit. You did most of the chainsawing. No, I've been nonstop since I've been sick. I'm wiped out. Yep. <laughs> and still have a cough and still have the sniffles. Just not been good. No, it's it's always odd to feel like this when it's beautiful and sunny and warm outside. Oh, it's it's easy to be sick when it's shitty outside. Mm. It's really hard to be sick when it's when it's a beautiful and it's day. It's so lovely. Um, so what did Michael? What did he remind <clears throat> us of? That I I uh, we hadn't done a show when I thought we. Um, oh. We talked about this, I think, on Your Mac Life. I don't know if we talked about it on DLTU. Um, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is $3.3 billion richer than he was a week ago. Yes. And yet, Amazon's threat to Saul's growth in Seattle over a new business tax that would fund homeless shelters and low-income housing paid off today when the nine-member city council voted 7-2 to repeal. They voted for this head tax of 70, I think it was 75 bucks an employee. Yes. And that money, that 75 bucks, was going to go into homeless 
advocacy shelters taking care of the homeless. Yes. Amazon, in the form of Jeff Bezos, or Jeff Bezos in the form of Amazon, said, if you do that, we're going to either move Amazon out of the city or we're, we're just going to hurt you. And the city council backed down. Yeah. This is a man who made $3.3 billion personally. Mm-hmm. Last month. And whose who, who's people, people that work from here, for him are on food stamps, by the way. Jeff Bezos makes $203,000 a minute yeah, I have. of every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yet he's bitching about a $75 tax. Mm-hmm. That would go towards homeless. Mm-hmm. It'd be different for me if the $75 tax was just a tax, mm-hmm. just a regular everyday tax. Just because. Just we because. need more money we need more in, money. in Seattle. We need to pay our city councilors more money. We mm-hmm. need. We need. We need to build a road. Yeah. Then I could see him being a little pissy about it. Yeah. But the money was going to be dedicated towards homeless people. Mm-hmm. Bezos offered no other solutions because one mm-hmm. of the things that you said, and I thought was very smart, mm-hmm. was that Bezos could say, "No, we're not going to pay this. We'll do it ourselves." Yeah. We'll do Come a hundred plan. Dollar plan, and mm-hmm. we'll build homeless housing. Mm-hmm. And rather than, because we don't trust big government, governments don't do it right. We're Amazon. We can do it all right. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll build, a, if they had done that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have a problem. Mm-hmm. But they just simply no, said just no. that's it. Plan, go, yeah, no. We don't want you sick. to spend our profits mm-hmm. on the homeless people. Mm-hmm. That just made me just so cranky. He wants to fund his space project. And that makes it worse. Because he said about a month ago, he couldn't think of any other thing to spend mm. his billions on mm. except the space program. Mm. And then Seattle comes up and goes, here, here's something you could spend your billions on. Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't want to. No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to leave. I guess he doesn't care about the homeless. Well, I, I think that. I think not guessing. That. He doesn't he care doesn't about the homeless. Hmm. For high-rolling drivers in United Arab Emirates, no car is complete without a single-digit license plate. Oh. Here in North America, our license plates have to have a certain number of numbers. I think it's six for most places. Yeah. And a certain combination of letters and numbers. I think yes. here we have to have the first three. Three, be, one for, oh, three numbers and three letters. But it's the first three are letters and the last three are numbers for us. No. no? For us, it's th- numbers and then my, my not license plate is numbers and letters. Really? Because my mm-hmm. motorcycle one is letters and then numbers. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, the oil-rich country's wealthy elite are willing to drop millions of dollars to get their hands on these license plates. Oh, and it's just one digit. Yeah. Like everybody wants number one. Yeah, yeah. Dubai property developer Balwinder Sonny wanted a highly coveted plate bearing the number five. Oh. He wanted it so much he bid $9 million for a government Oh my God, what's wrong with this world? Oh. It was one of the largest sums ever spent on a license plate, although still lower than the $14 million record set in 2008. That's insane. That's yeah. utterly, utterly insane. Well, and I have to fight to raise money for a special needs child yeah. to get a, car, a safe car seat for $800. And here- How does that work out? Here where it goes from insane to so offensive, you want to punch this guy. Sonny found that his big purchase also brought him a lot of attention. He says he can't go out in public without people stopping him and asking him to take a photo. And some aren't impressed, accusing him of wasting his money. It's hard. People giving comments without knowing the type of person I am. He described himself as a simple man. Oh, my God. Okay, my, 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 my uh, apologies to the person who wrote us the uh, wonderful mm-hmm. review on iTunes, but fuck you. You are not a simple man. Mm-hmm. If you're willing 
if you're able to spend $10 million on a license plate that will go on your Rolls Royce, you're not a simple man. No, you're very indulgent. You might be simple in the head, but you are not a simple man. And I'm sorry, the reason why you got that license plate was to be noticed. So don't bitch when people notice you. It's like people who get mad at, at, I've seen it happen in Vancouver, where a guy pulls up in this beautiful new, very popular here in Vancouver, Lamborghini, with this amazing paint job. And I've, I've taken a picture, and the guy's waving like, don't take my picture. Really? A, you're in a public place. B, you're in an amazing half-million-dollar car. And C, I think you're an asshole, so I'm taking your picture. Why do you think he's an asshole? Because he has that car and that money. Or oh. his dad has that car and that money. And he's telling me I can't take a picture of him. Shut up. <laughs> Shut. Then roll your windows up. Don't drive in Robson Street. <laughs> God, that annoys me. He doesn't want the attention. Oh, the attention, poor muffin. <laughs> no, don't look at me. I'm hideous. <laughs> uh, New York Times article. Dan Bolesky says, a traveler to Montreal with kids in tow is disarmed by the shocking friendliness of the city. Oh. I wrote on Twitter, the shocking friendliness? What, WTF? You came to Canada as a tourist, you moron. We can't help but be friendly to you. <laughs> Do some research next time. Read a book. Yeah. How could anybody come to Canada and be shocked by our friendliness? <laughs> I mean, seriously, we're well, world-renowned. I was going to say it's world-renowned. We're world-renowned for our, our politeness and our niceness. So polite. Even when we actually hate you, we're still going to be polite to you. Yes. It's kind of dishonest, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> and the other part about it that a lot of people don't, don't understand is Canadians are, are the only people in the world who can manage to be smug about being nice. Yes. We really are so proud of our niceness. Oh, right? yes. And we'll bring it up every chance we get. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're the nice people. We're, we are so smug about being nice. It's hilarious. And remember, this is the word nice here. Nice. It's not, not nothing. There's a, a book I've got from a, a guy. Hang on. Yes, here it is. The book is uh, by Will Ferguson. It's called Why I Hate Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> It, <laughs> Where's Will Ferguson from? Vancouver. Oh. <laughs> he says, Why Hate Canadians is not your usual book about Canada and Canadians. Instead of asking what's wrong with Canada, author Will Ferguson asks, what's wrong with Canadians? Uh, writing with punch and passion, Ferguson offers fresh insights into our national delusions. For instance, <laughs> he figures out at long last the Canadian dream, success without risk. Oh, yes. How true is that? Oh, very much. But the, the, the government true. promotes that sort of thing. He explains the three great themes of Canadian history, keeping the Americans out, keeping the French in, and trying to get natives to somehow disappear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This guy's good. This guy Ooh. is very, very good. He has a one. He is. He's a perfect Canadian. He has this wonderful sense of humor. He's intelligent, but he's also nailing you at the same time. Because mm. that's the exact same. That's the exact truth of Canada. Right there. We want success without risk. Mm-hmm. We, want to, we want the French population to stay in. We don't want anything to do with the Americans, and we want our natives to disappear. There's no doubt about that. Well, well I don't understand why he would say that. Because it's true. That's the nature of Canada. We're embarrassed by our natives. We well, wish you, they would we just- We should be. Yeah, well, Absolutely. Embarrassed we, we, by what's happened to them. We should be. Not we, embarrassed we, by them. No, not but, by them. No, by yeah. what we've done to them. And by we, I mean you white folks. My, my people had nothing to do with it. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> no, you're good. You're all good. It's a very funny book. Hmm. But yeah. The, the, is, it, is it meant to be? Is it from a comedy perspective? Yes. Oh, no. It's very, it's very, very funny. Oh, all right. But yeah, he, he's the one who makes that comment that Canadians are, are smug about being nice, which is hilarious. Because it's so, so true. It's called Why I Hate Canadians by Will Ferguson. Well, maybe that person was surprised, although obviously, but because they were coming into French Canada and they weren't sure. To them, it was like, ooh, they weren't sure what to expect at all. I mean, I'm the, I mean, I have to admit, I have seen examples of those that are French Canadian being quite rude, as 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 are all, you know, people across the world. But I have seen it firsthand. The good news is that in Montreal, we experienced nothing but kindness. Everyone we met at our hotel, in restaurants, museums, on the street, seemed so eager to make our lives easier that at the moments I was shocked. Why were these people so nice? Our kids even picked up on the considered responses and, as kids do, responded accordingly. They were on their best behavior. Meanwhile, the older ones were thrilled to discover we could drive four hours from our home in the Hudson Valley and wind up in another country where people actually spoke uh. French. Um, anyway, it's an article in the uh, in, in New York Times. But it, it really bothers me when people go traveling and don't, Think about where they're going, especially nowadays of the internet. The days of you having to go buy a guidebook, Fodor's or, or Fromer's or whatever it is, are long gone. You can just do Google search. Oh, yes, so Go to much. Wikipedia mm-hmm. and read the page about the place you're going, whether mm-hmm. it's a city or a country or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. It takes no effort whatsoever to do one evening's reading and you would find out that Canadians are known for being nice. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be so sh- shocked by their friendliness. Mm-hmm. And other things too, just other little traditions, other little, we were teasing uh, our friends uh, last week who went to uh, Montreal on uh, their July 4th weekend, mm-hmm. didn't realize it was also Canada Day, mm-hmm. July 1st. You think you kind of know that. the 150th anniversary of the founding of the country. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, look, oh, but again, no offense to them, how could you not know that? Mm-hmm. How could you not just pick up any Google search? Would have told you it can't. It was a big deal. Yes, we made a big deal about it. So it kind of bothers me when 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 people don't do just the, the basics of uh, just little tips and tricks about places to go, things to do, things not to do. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked before about hand gestures and and uh, the way you do things. Photographs, photographs, policemen, that's right. Or for, so, for example, um, uh, Melissa and I are doing our uh, starting point photography in Lisbon. You're more than welcome to join us. Next March 22nd to 30th, 2019, we are going to spend a week in Lisbon, Portugal, an amazing city. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful, beautiful city. Great history. Uh, dirt cheap. Uh, again, as yes. I keep saying, beer is cheaper than bottled water, and I'm dying to prove that. <laughs> and the expo was, when was it? 1998. So it's very young, and it, it sort of seems to be opening itself up to the world. Now, it's a butterfly. I, you get that sense when you watch the shows on it that we're watching that, that Lisbon is really come, Portugal is really coming yeah. into its own after being under that dictatorship. For how many years were they under a dictatorship? Like 40 Decades. Years. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize this until, again, I started doing my own research in Lisbon that um, unlike in North America, uh, where I'm reading this off a website, uh, where a waiter will usually take your drink order. While you're contemplating the menu, food gets priority in Portugal. He'll take your food order first and then bring you drinks. But this is something else I didn't know. The waiter may bring some unsolicited but not free appetizers to your table before taking your order, but will not ask about drinks until the food has been dealt with. 
It's standard practice for waiters to bring you little dishes of all those bread, cheese, cold meats, but they are not freebies. If you don't want them, just politely send them back untouched and you won't be charged. Isn't that oh, sneaky? Well, that, yeah, it's sneaky. I it's did not know that. Kind of not a bad idea. I mean, people are going to eat it up and go, oh, gee, thanks. I wonder if you could just eat that for little snackies and if they'd be offended if you said, we'll just have a beer now and we'll be on our way. It depends how much the snackies <laughs> cost, yeah. But um, uh, from uh, how to order like a local at restaurants in Portugal, a great way of economizing on eating out is to do what locals do. Have a main meal at lunchtime. With a menu do dia, a set menu, two to three courses, or prato do dia, dish of the day. Check what is and isn't included before saying yes to everything the waiter offers you. But otherwise, you get a three-course meal with wine for under 10 euros. Wow. That's under 15 bucks Canadian. Oh, my gosh. And so U.S., that's just over $10, right? Around yeah, just about. a little, little bit, yeah. Wow. Many, many restaurants serve a menu turistico, or menu do dia, or diarrhea set menu at lunchtime. This is usually great value in that you get a starter, often a soup, a main course, a drink, which may be a glass or even a jug of wine, sometimes coffee and dessert for a set price, which ranges from 5 to 15 euros. Okay. So 7 to 20 bucks. That's, that's great. Uh, well, I'm sorry, why are they saying, so you have your lunch? You have, you have your lunch in, at, at, in the... Uh, at, at, Lunch is your big meal of the day. And why are you doing that? Because it's the cheaper meal? Yeah, cheaper, yeah. Oh, and then you just have light snackies for dinner. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, something else I didn't realize, uh, most food is not served hot, or at least as hot as, generally when we get food here in North America, it's almost too hot to eat immediately. You got to blow on it, you got to wait, wait a little bit. They don't do that in Portugal. Mm. Most of the food is served fairly lukewarm. Mm. And you have to ask for it to be served, um, they call it... Uh, um, BM Kent, very hot. Hmm, I don't mind if that's fish and seafood and mussels in there because I don't want that hot, hot. No, no. no, I don't. But a lot of people like their soup hot. They don't like lukewarm soup. Hmm. So you have to make sure. You have that, to ask them. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And unlike in North America, tipping is is optional. Optional. Okay. Um, is tipping, fr- tipping is frowned upon in Japan. Is tipping frowned upon in Australia? Well, tipping is not a usual thing in Australia. People, tourists tip in Australia. They don't Australia. send it back, though. In Japan, they send it back. Oh, no, no, God, they wouldn't send it back. Okay. But it's just the wages are really high in Australia. Yeah. So um, so uh, a 10% or less tip is fine in, in Lisbon, which means Lisbon's also going to be cheaper. That's right. Because you're not spending 20% of your meal prices on, on That's tipping. That's right. A lot of the, the one of the other things I'm really fascinated to learn more about as I'm doing my research on Lisbon is Lisbon is the oldest capital city in Europe. It's older than Rome. It's incredible. And Paris and London. It was founded before Rome. We call Rome the eternal city. And yet Lisbon's around, been around longer than That is amazing. That really is. Well, actually, when I think about it, what it looked, the visuals of it, it does look old. You can see. Some of the stuff, yeah. Some of it, yeah. I mean, but the modern really sticks out. You go, oh my gosh. I mean, you, you know, it's like stark. where it's, yeah. it's stark and very, very in juxtaposition with what's with yeah. there originally. It looks very extremely modern. It feels like all the buildings are either from the 15th century or the 21st century. It does. There's nothing like nothing from the 1950s. No kind of thing in the middle. That's what. It, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the things I always tell people to do, like I, like I said, I always tell people to do research. Always go to your country's website, your country's government website, and find out what they say about travel to the particular areas. And then also go to other countries, usually the U.S., and see if the U.S. has different advisories. 
Mm. Um, because different countries have different concerns. Mm. And the Americans, for better or worse, have more concerns of traveling because Americans, American uh, tourists can be targets. It's one of the reasons why, for better or worse, you wear a Can- Canadians wear a Canadian flag mm-hmm. on their stuff. Mm-hmm. Because well, it's also why Americans, Americans wear Canadian flags too. You can buy on Amazon.com a Canadian travel kit. Yep. Where it's, you know, for backpacks and little flags and pins and that kind of stuff for oh, Americans yeah. to put on their stuff when, yeah. they, when they go traveling. I mean, which oh is, my gosh. It, <laughs> I find it offensive. Well, how must they feel about that, you know? I find it offensive that you're taking, you're, you're so proud of your flag. Yeah. Wear your flag. Wear your flag. Put up with the consequences. That's right. That's right. Anyway, so uh, yeah, go to your, go to your country's website to see what they say about vaccinations or uh, visas or that kind of stuff. That's a good idea. The only thing I found that I would of any concern to us, whether you're American or Canadian or British or anyone else, Portugal's Western Europe. It's there's no overt danger. I don't know. I haven't heard. There has been um, terrorism attacks in Spain, in I believe Madrid, in the buses mm-hmm. several years ago. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of anything in. Lisbon, no, at all, um, and it's not something I'd worry about. It's not something you can prepare for. It's not something you can avoid. I would rather not think about it. Exactly, there's nothing you can do about it, so don't don't think about it. It's not it's not going to happen. No, it, it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, the only thing I, I found out from the the country's websites was uh, you can you are not allowed to photograph police or military personnel, the people. Which is a little unusual, but understandable mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And some, always in quotes, some government buildings. Mm. They don't tell you which ones. And unfortunately, there may not be big signs on the buildings that say, don't photograph this building. Mm. But generally, if it's a military building, don't take a picture of it. Yeah, no. Don't pose in front of it. Don't, that kind of stuff. You can politely ask a policeman, if he's standing in a particular pose or looking somewhere, just point to you, if you don't speak Portuguese, just point to your camera, point to him, and smile, always smile, and he'll either shake his head no, or he'll smile back to you. Be ready to take the picture immediately. Whenever you're asking, that's one of the things I have to teach people, I teach people street photography. If I'm going to ask you to take, if I can take a picture of you, I'm going to be ready in that moment to take the picture. You know, hold on, I just got to, exactly. oh, get your lens cap off. That's right. Hold on. That's right. Make it exactly. <laughs> Here, have, have this Shit, coffee. I dropped that. Get, hold, no, no, can you no, no. get that for me? <laughs> have, your, have your camera already set up to take a picture. <laughs> can you hold my coffee first? That's right. <laughs> hold my purse too. Can, you, just, can you just move, go over there? <laughs> and the only other thing I, I, I warn people about is what will happen quite, eh, not often, but enough to have it be a concern <clears throat> so you're there with your significant other you're standing in front of the the uh, the, uh, the blem tower and you want to get a selfie of you in the blem tower in the background and some helpful other tourists will go up and go you want me to take a picture of you guys for you and you go yes and you give me your camera and he runs off oh don't give your camera to strangers that not take pictures of oh you. that's awful to have someone in your group do it yeah. Or have it be someone that you know do it mm-hmm. because that it could easily happen that you just hand your camera to a stranger who's going to take a picture and he runs away. <laughs> what are you laughing about? It's just awful. It is awful. <laughs> Did this people like this? And how embarrassing world? would that be? Like, oh shit! Oh gee, oh man! And, and, and you think honestly, you, Glenn? And you thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm way too fat to chase him. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, go chase him. <laughs> 
I uh, would. I would chase him. Her, him, whoever. I'll never forget one time I was down at Grand. It still fascinates me. I mean, I grew up, my mother never locked the house. She never locked anything. And one time I was down at Granville Island Markets. And I remember sitting there outside looking over and realizing, oh, my gosh, that guy's stealing that bike and just watching the whole thing happen so quickly. And and it didn't have a seat on it. Someone had taken their seat to deter someone. Yeah, it didn't work. And he rode off with just a pipe sticking up his ass. And I was like, (laughs) that guy just stopped. And I I just am in deep fascination of people that just blatantly steal things. It just amazes me. Because for the most part, they know no one's going to stop them. Oh well, I and I didn't. I was standing right. there looking no. and looking. It took a while for me to register. Oh my god! And then he was gone. Run away with someone's camera. Today is Father's Day. Happy yes. Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Yes, fathers. Is there any father in the world who, right now, in this space, in this moment of time, who's having more fun being himself than Ryan Reynolds? Oh, <laughs> he is just just. I I hate him so much for being so handsome, Mm -hmm. so funny, so charming, Mm -hmm. and just having so damn much fun. He is having way too much fun. He has. If you you can do you know you can send him an email. If you send an email to um, uh, Ryan at aviationgin.com. Oh, because of the gin, he's got this. Why did he do that? I have no idea. What is gin? It's just so obscure. What an odd thing to do. He has bought <laughs> aviation gin. An Amer- it's supposed to be an awful me, gin, an, isn't an, it? An American gin. I, I don't know. It's all, I, I don't drink gin. I wouldn't know what good gin know. was no, versus no. bad gin. <laughs> so he's bought this aviation gin company. And if you look at Ryan Will, I don't look at him as being a gin drinker. No, Whiskey, I gin yes. was a woman's drink. Gin Be- and yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer, yes. Whiskey, yes. Gin, not so much. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is having a little fun before Father's Day this weekend. The Deadpool actor set up a hilarious out of, automatic out-of-the-office reply on his Aviation American Gin email. So when you send an email to Ryan at AviationGin.com, uh-huh. he gets, you get an out-of-office reply okay. from him. And his out-of-office reply says, this is only my second out-of-office reply. From what I've been told, it should be short, sweet, and never overly personal or emotional. He then says, this Father's Day, you may not be able to give Dad a second chance, but you can get him a bottle of Aviation American Gin. (laughs) Or if he died before either you could even begin to comprehend the importance of closure, just get yourself a bottle. He said, owning a gin company has been one one of the great privileges of my life. And while it won't quite make up for the non-existent relationship I have with my father, it will always warms my heart to see others celebrating paternal relationships around which they have built on trust, warmth, and total, totally natural amounts of eye contact. Uh, while my own father may be long gone, the unspoken tension we shared is alive and well. <laughs> is this still the out-of-office reply? Yes. <laughs> <coughs> well, let me tell you, if I could turn back time, I wouldn't be pouring aviation gin over his grave in the middle of the night. No, sir, I'd be sitting across from him, clinking glasses and having an effervescent giggle about the fact that I now own the finest gin company on planet Earth. <laughs> he is just having far, far too much fun being Ryan, Ryan Runners. And it, I, it's kind of easy when you've got, you know, entire PR and marketing teams to, to help you do this stuff. But I think even if he was just a carpenter in Vancouver... He'd be having fun. He'd still be having fun. Yeah, he'd, he'd still, still be handsome. handsome. He'd still be funny, charming, witty, right. charming, beautiful wife. 
Lucky Beautiful bastard. children. Do you have two children or He's, one? I, I think he has got two, yeah. I'm not sure. Happy Father's Day, Ryan Reynolds. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Canadian, by the way. He's very nice. He's from Vancouver, yeah. yeah. He's, he, yeah he's very smug about it, too. Very nice. Um... Happy oh, Stepfather's Day, my love. There's no, such, no, a, no, such, no such, such thing. No such thing. Well, I just made it up. We don't deserve it. Not yet. I said we don't deserve it. Not yet. <laughs> well, I think you should. Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if you were offended at the Happy Stepfather's Day or whether you were genuinely thinking that it's something that should happen. I have a day for everything else. We started off this podcast apologizing. We should end it apologizing. Um, my friend Susan Thayer says, I can't help it, but every time I listen to DLTU at the end of the recording, after you say a cheery see ya, and Melissa chimes in with her melodic bye, <laughs> I hear the podcast you just heard was recorded with anger. It's such a juxt- juxtaposition of, of emotion. I'm not sure I can listen to another episode. So we've lost Susan. Oh, we didn't lose Susan. She said Susan. she can't listen to another episode. I don't believe we've lost her. Okay. We'll what do you see. mean this podcast was recorded with anger? She, because she thinks that we're so angry before the podcast and we end it with this cheery, bye. Oh. So what do you propose to help with this particular review? <clears throat> One of the things that that brought up to me is how, how interesting it is that people remember negative more than the positive. They remember the angry more than the happy. They remember the, the, um, uh, the cursing. More than the happy stuff. I've had this happen to me on Twitter a lot. I will often, at least once a week, get someone say, "Sean, you're on, you're you're so angry on Twitter all the time." Uh-huh. And when they say that, I'll go back into, I'll go to my Twitter feed and I'll read the the posts. And over a period of time, twenty four hours, forty eight hours, mm-hmm. my posts are perfectly naturally nor- normal. Some anger, some happy, some neutral, some commentary, some things like that. But the negative sticks in people's heads. Hmm. They think the negative, they remember the negative more than the positive. You and I have talked about this before of <clears throat> a woman can be told she's beautiful a hundred times, mm-hmm. but that one person says you're ugly and that destroys you. <laughs> she holds on to it. You, hold, you forget the hundred positives and remember the one negative. Very true. And I think the same thing with this. People hear and the negative sticks in their head either because the negative is more funny maybe, than the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I think in this particular podcast, we've said a lot of positive things. Yes. And we've said some negative things. Yes. But overall, her saying, and I know she's saying it in, in a joking way, but her saying, this, this podcast was recorded in anger. Uh, it's, it's a funny line, first of all, but it's it's not. Oh, is there, so that Susan's impression, perhaps others, is that we recorded in anger? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a lot of anger to the podcast. Oh, interesting. I think there's just the right amount of anger. (laughs) We have to be conscious of that. No, I don't. I don't think we do. I I think I think the commentators have to be conscious of it. Am I just focusing on one segment that was angry? And yes, the the Warren Buffett stuff made me angry. The 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 Sunny Time Tea stuff made me angry. Hmm. The the not knowing anything about Canada made me angry. Yes. But overall, I think it's mostly positive. I th- I, I, I'm going to have to think about that. Well, remember, it is Don't Listen to Us. That's right. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. And you can send us emails to dltu at yml.me or please, 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 you can review us on the iTunes store. Until next week, uh, as we just said, I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. <laughs> You're listening to Don't Listen to Us. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs>